starting this new series on baptism, and I'm really excited about the next three weeks. We're just going to kind of talk about what it is. But here's the deal. What's really special, something we've never done before in the history of the harbor, is that on the 27th, in three weeks, we are actually going to invite your parents and family and anyone who wants to be here um, from 6 to 7.30, middle school, high school, everybody together, and we are going to have baptisms at the harbor, and we are stoked about it. We are so excited. We're going to bring something right here. We're going to baptize people right here. That, in fact, after this message, you can fill out one of these forms and sign up or and... I'm going to put these in the middle just because we ran out of some, apparently. Um, They're all like on the clipboards right here. Fill out a form and then take one of these. Fill it out. Bring it back. You can put it in the metal mailbox out there. You can give it to me or any of the other leaders um, if that is something you want to do. But here's the deal. I was thinking about baptism. I know some of you haven't been raised in church. Maybe you um, have never even seen someone baptized before. Maybe, maybe you don't even know what that word means. It, It occurred to me that it would be a really weird thing if you came to a baptism to church for the first time and and it was a baptism Sunday and you saw someone getting baptized at church. Like for me, I'm from Texas and what that means is is that in the summer times it was really hot. Like really hot and so we lived at the pool. And so we would go to the pool and, and We would get in the pool, and if you have an older brother or maybe a younger brother or sister, um, a sibling, you know what I'm about to say is true, is that you get in that pool and you just become a savage. And it is like a two-hour dunking war where you're like, I'm going to show you who your real daddy is, right? And you are like (laughs) getting after it. And I just can't, I I can just imagine if you came to church for the first time and had never seen baptism before on a Sunday and, or any day, and somebody is up there, it's like a public, no resistance dunking, right? Where they're just like, okay, and now you're down right next and now, right? And I, I can just see it and imagine it of like, why are they letting him dunk them? Like, why is there no resistance? Like no one is fighting back. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that like kind of sets us apart. It sets Christianity apart from the very beginning. In fact, you may not know this, but there is no other culture or other religion that does baptism like a Christian baptism is done. No one else does it. It completely sets us apart in culture and in thought. And like, I want you to think about that. If you came and you saw someone getting a no resistance dunking, Like the only thing you could think in your heart, eyes right here, the only thing you could think is something's something's changed. Like they're different. There's no reason for them to let them dunk them like that unless something has changed. But that's the way it is from the very beginning. From the very, very beginning that Jesus was was, uh, about to go back to be with the Father. He had died. He had rose again. He was telling his disciples He gathers them all together. And then this is what he says. This is Matthew 28. This is what he says. He says he gathered them near and then he says all authority, he tells them, he gives them together. He goes, guys, guess what? All authority has been given to me on heaven and and on earth. He says, man, guys, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. You need to know that. Your friend, me, Jesus, I got it all. And then he goes on. He says, go therefore. 
And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, man, go and teach them. He says, go and baptize them, not in the name of success, not in the name of good looks or popularity, not in the name of wealth, but baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them everything that I have taught them. He says, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so these guys, they take this command, right? He gathers his guys close. He's like, hey, here's what I'm calling you to do is to go and do this baptism and baptizing people and teaching people just like we do today. It was from the very beginning. He's like, hey, this will set people apart. This will make them different. And so check this out. The guys, they go and do that. They go out and, and they're praying together. They receive the Holy Spirit, which I believe is right here that you receive when you place your faith in Jesus, that you receive power and you receive the Holy Spirit, that you receive God in you so that you may know the thoughts and the will of God, that the Holy Spirit directs our steps. And so they did that. A crowd gathered around him and this guy, Peter, who was there at the time when Jesus was like, hey, here's what I'm calling you to do. He preaches this epic sermon. It's like an amazing sermon that people really hadn't heard before. And this is how he concludes it. This is just the conclusion of this sermon. You can go back to chapter, Acts chapter 2 if you want to read it. But here's the conclusion. So at the very end of his sermon, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel, basically he's saying, all you Israelites, all you Jewish men, all you people standing before me, as you the readers, you can almost put yourself in this basket. He says, know with certainty that God, that the God, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, here's what you need to understand. Is these Jewish men did not believe that, that, that God was not existent. They believed God was real. They believed God was, was there. And they believed, here it is. They believed God would send somebody to save them, to bring them hope, to bring them a future and a purpose. They believed that. The problem is, just like us, we believe that as well, that, man, I'm looking for someone to save me. I'm looking for something to give me a hope. I'm looking for a purpose. I feel lost. And we find and look for the same things. Here's the problem. These men were saying, God, we believe you're going to send that person, is that they didn't realize that that was Jesus who they killed. And Peter says, you need to understand the person you were looking for that God said he would send that would be God with us is the same person you killed. Like you just messed up big. This is their response. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? It says they were pierced to the heart that it cut deep, that they realized. And they asked this question, what should we do? Now, here's the thing, is this summer, we had 17 students that we know about here at Rock Students, here in our youth group, (coughs) who raised their hand and came to this very same place as these people where they came to a place where they said, I recognize that Jesus is Lord. I recognize him as my savior, that some of those people are you in this room, that whether it's at camp or or wherever, that you came to this place. And then what you said is, I believe Jesus is Lord. What should I do? What should I do? 
What should we do? I was seven years old when I asked this question. That I was sitting in Awanas. Anybody like go to Awanas? Were you like, yes, I'm an Awana kid. Great, like four of you, cool. So in Awanas, it's like a kid's Bible study. And I was like a little sparky. I was like seven years old. And I was sitting in the back and I remember exactly where I was sitting, where it was. And this guy named Ray Pereira, he gets up on stage and, he, and, and at the end of the night and he says, hey, if anybody wants to come and know Jesus and put their faith in him, I'm inviting you to come forward. And so I did not move. I was like, I am not walking up there. Like many of you, maybe even this summer where I, I said, hey, if you want to know Jesus, I'm inviting you to raise your hand. And you were like, I want to know Jesus, but you better believe I ain't raising my hand. Like, no way. Like, that's the way I was. I was like, I'm not walking up there. That's crazy. And so I get home <clears throat> and I get, and my mom's like tucking me into bed. And, I, and that's when I asked her the question. I said, mom, I, I want to place my faith in Jesus. What do I do? What do I need to do? It was on that moment, in that moment that my mom, uh, in, uh, my mom led me to the Lord. My mom and my dad together, we prayed. And, 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 and that is that moment that I received Christ. That I had that question of, what should I do? Some of you have found yourself in that place where you have placed your faith in Jesus and you're asking the question, okay, what do I do? Like, what should I do? And so then Jesus responds like, I mean, Peter responds like this to the men. They're like, what do we do? <clears throat> this is his response. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus told him to do. He says, hey man, repent and be baptized. The definition of repentance is this. Definition of repentance is this. <clears throat> to change direction and do the opposite. To change direction and do the opposite. Definition of repentance. Change direction and then go and do the opposite of whatever it was that you were doing. Definition of repentance. So for instance, if you're in here and you eat a lot of junk food and you're like, I love that stuff. And you eat a bunch of junk food and you say, man, I'm repenting from junk food. I'm no longer eating junk food. Repentance is not meaning that I'm no longer eating food at all. Repentance says I'm eating good things instead. You hear that? So if I'm repenting from junk food, it doesn't mean that I'm not eating food at all. It means that I'm choosing to eat good food instead. Repentance in our life when it comes to Christ doesn't mean that we stop living and doing good things. It means that we live for something better instead. So if Jesus is calling you to repent and be baptized, he says, hey, I'm not calling you to stop living. I'm calling you to live for something better instead. Eyes right here. I'm calling you to live for something better instead. That was what he called them to do. And so here's what he said. He said, hey, I'm calling you to repent, but then I'm calling you to be baptized. Baptism was their first step in living for something better. He says, man, I'm calling you to a better life to live for something better. Your first step is baptism. I'm calling you to be baptized. I'm calling you to do something in front of everyone you know that will set you apart from everybody else. I'm calling you to come and to emulate what Jesus did for you to die and then to rise to new life in Christ by being immersed in water. He says, I'm calling you to something different. 
And so for these guys, for them to do this, this would have set them apart. That for some of them, it would have outcasted them. For some of them, they would have only had the other people who also placed their faith in Jesus. That it was that big of a deal. In Africa, if you go to Africa on a mission trip with us one day and you go and we get to baptize anybody, what you find is that they are terrified of putting their head underwater, that they believe they will die. Not a joke, not an over-exaggeration. If, you, if they put their head under, they believe they're gonna die. And so they will still get baptized, believing and trusting that God is bigger than their greatest fear of death. And they will be shaking with fear as they go underwater and come back up. But they're willing to do it because it's what Jesus has called them to do, to live for something better instead. He says, man, I'm calling you as his first act of obedience. And so they asked him, they said, what should we do? And Peter responds, he says, man, repent and be baptized. And then they did that. 3,000 men came to know Jesus in that moment. 3,000 men put their faith in Jesus. 3,000 men received the Holy Spirit. 3,000 men's eternity was forever changed in that moment because they placed their faith in Jesus. Now, you need to understand that baptism, it didn't save them from their sins. You need to hear that clearly. Baptism, any action you do will not save you from your sin. That Jesus has done all the action for you. But what it did was it showed the world that they had been saved from their sins. Man, I have been saved. I'm being baptized. I'm showing you my new life in Christ. And they knew what they should do. The question I have for you tonight, where you come into the picture, are you listening? Where you come into the picture is, do you know what you should do? If you have placed your faith in Jesus, do you know what you should do? Are you asking that question? Hey, what should I do? See, for you in here who have placed your faith in Jesus, but you have not been baptized, then you know what you should do. That your first step is, man, all right, I'm signing up. I'm doing it. I want to show the world that I have been changed. <clears throat> and this is your opportunity. Not right this moment, but when we're done. For others of you, you're like, well, I have been baptized. I placed my faith in Jesus. I have been baptized then are you living for the right things? And are you putting yourself in, in environments that are living for the right things? Are you getting involved in Bible studies? Are you being accountable with your friends? Are you coming to church when you can and worshiping when we have opportunity to worship? Or are you standing and quiet? Are you hungry for God's word? I need you to hear this, guys. Our generation has perverted Christianity. We've perverted it, that we've taken very light of it, that we've, tried, we've treated it just like school, that when I got it, I got it, when I don't, I don't, that you're not all about math unless you're doing math homework, and unless you're in math class, unless you got a math test, that often we're not all about Jesus unless we're at Bible study or in church or we've got a test in our life and we need Jesus now. He's saying, man, I'm calling you to so much something bigger and so, something so much better. It's a life of repentance that says, man, I'm not calling you to stop living. I'm calling you to live for something greater. So the question I, I confront you with tonight is, what should you do? What should you do? 
Does it look like baptism for you is that first step? Does it look like you saying, man, I, I've got to change what I'm hungry for. I've got to change what, what I'm doing. See, for these guys, it was against culture. It was against all, all things that they were taught was right. It, it was against everything else, but they did it. 3,000 men that day did it because they wanted to show that new life in Christ had begun. And so for some of you even, before I can ask, what should you do now? The question I have for some of you, if you don't know Jesus yet, is has new life begun in you? Has new life begun in you? That for some of you, you need to really contemplate that question. That if tonight was your last night and I could say, yep, sign sealed, boom. In the morning, you're meeting with the Lord. That you're standing before God. Do you know where your eternity is going to be? That do you know where you're spending eternity? Is it eternally separated in what the Bible describes as hell from God? Or is it eternal presence with God, which the Bible describes as paradise? See, where that line falls is not on your actions, is not on your good deeds, is not on the great things you've done. Where that line falls is have you placed your faith in Jesus for your salvation? Have you trusted that he died for you and then he rose again and that you can have new life in him? Has new life in you begun? See, if it hasn't, or you're unsure, or you grew up in church, but... But, but maybe you've never, never, never made that decision. And you don't ever need to go another night having that question on your mind. That right now is your opportunity to say, man, I recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he is real, that he is sitting with the Father. That he's not forgotten about you. He's not delaying his return because he he doesn't care about humankind. No, it says that he's delaying his return so that people may know him and may find salvation and may find an eternity with him. That he's delaying his return because he cares for you. So I ask you, has new life in Christ begun in you? Paul writes it this way, and I'm closing with the scripture. It says, therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. He says, man, I have new life for you. Like, how is your life working out for you now? I think that's an important question. How is your life working out for you now? Because Jesus says, I have newness of life that you can walk in. He says, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That that's what baptism signifies. It signifies us dying to our sin, to the penalty of our sin, and being risen with him in Christ, that we no longer have to carry that shame. We no longer have to carry that burden that it's been paid for completely and wholly, all together in one man, that one died, therefore all sin has been paid for, for those who would place their faith in him. Has new life begun in you?
And so as we close, I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. For some of you, you know, man, hey, I absolutely need to follow in obedience and be baptized. So you're going to have opportunity to sign up for that, to be a part of that, to celebrate for that. For some of you, you recognize that you have no idea what would happen to you if you died tonight. But yet, there is opportunity for you to be sure of your salvation. There's opportunity for you to place your faith in Jesus. That that opportunity is now. And so if you're in here tonight and you're saying, man, I need to know Jesus. I want to be sure of where I'm going. I want to be sure of my salvation. Maybe people think I'm saved because I've acted like it. Maybe uh, uh, I've just been resistant. Maybe you're, you're nervous or scared. I'm just encouraging you, man, there's so much at stake here. That if tonight you're in here with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, tonight I want to be sure, I want to put a nail in this thing. I want to know that I'm saved, that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. I recognize that God in his great love for me sent Jesus to die for my sins. I'm just going to ask you in the privacy of just you and me that you would just stick a hand up. That you would just raise your hand high. Where you say, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I see you, and I see you, and I see you. Now here's what you need to understand. That if you have placed your faith in Jesus, but yet you've come to points where you have doubted, you understand that you are still saved just because you doubt. If you know and say, I know that Jesus is Lord and I've invited him into my life before and I've asked for forgiveness and I know he's forgiven me and this is where I stand, then you need to understand you don't have to do this again. That even when you're fearful, like, did I believe the right way? If you believed at all, it was the right way. If you invited him into your life at all, it was the right way. And so tonight, if this is you and you say, man, I just raised my hand and I want to know Jesus, I'm just going to invite you with every head bowed, every eye closed, just to look up at me. I just want to make eye contact with you. I just want to make eye contact with you. I see you. I see you. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do with me. Is I'm going to pray a prayer of, it's a salvation prayer where basically it's just saying, God, I'm admitting you are Lord. And I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm asking for you to be the Lord of my life and that your Holy Spirit would live in me. That I want to live a new life. That I want to follow you. That I want to know that I am saved. That there's nothing special about my words. There's nothing special about what I'm going to pray. But that you are going to pray it in your way and you can repeat after me if you like. That you would believe and know and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord says that you receive salvation. So I'm going to invite you just to pray with me. Repeat after me in your head or out loud or whatever you want. God, tonight I recognize that I am sinful and that I am in need of a Savior. God, that I cannot pay for my sins on my own. 
And God, I recognize that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. Lord, and tonight I'm placing my faith in what he did for me, for my salvation. And I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. That you would forgive me. God, I am yours. I'm asking your Holy Spirit to live in me. Lord, help me to walk with you. God, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I'm going to ask real quick. This is going to be awkward. This is going to be a little weird. But here's what I believe. And here's what the Bible says. That in heaven, they throw a party. Literally a party for you. That when you come to know Jesus, they they say your name, it is written in the book of life, that you come to the place where you meet God face to face and he's going to say, here you are my good and faithful son or daughter. And I love you. Welcome. That they throw a party for you. But because we can't be a part of that party, I want to celebrate right now. And so here's what I'm going to ask, that in boldness, there's more than one of you. So don't be like, I'm the only one about to, this is about to happen. I'm nervous. No, it's okay. That if you didn't raise your hand or look at me or pray that prayer, I'm guessing it's either one, because you're just really resistant and that's okay for now, or two, because you already know Jesus and they're going to celebrate with you. And so here's what I'm going to ask on the count of three, that you would just stand. We're going to cheer and then we're all going to stand and we're going to keep worshiping. All right? On the count of three, you're going to stand and we're going to celebrate. And so if you're in here and you see someone standing next to you, you're going to just scream your mind off, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. I need you to stand. That is what I'm talking about. How amazing. That literally they are celebrating in heaven because of you. And God says, man, I love you deeply. And so as we all rise, I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. God, I thank you for what you're doing tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in this group. God, I thank you for salvation. God, we need you. Remind us of that. Whatever it takes, remind us that we need you. Give us a hunger for you, Lord. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.